0: You know, week after week, I am so grateful for all the amazing people that come into my network and I get to bring their conversations to you. David Chrysler, oh my, I met him through a clubhouse forum thanks to Peter Goral, For making the introduction, David Chrysler is amazing at making things simple, establishing the right processes you need for your business for sustainability and growth. And (laughs) the reason why this resonates so much with me is I am also a process, a lean professional. I hate chaos, and I think you know that from listening to the podcast. And if you've had a chance to read The CEO's Compass, It is all about eliminating the chaos and getting you back on track. And specifically, the compass point of platform. Platform are all those tools that you need to keep you accountable, ground rules, hours of operation for your business, best ways to communicate. It is so critical, but sometimes as professionals in our career, we just want to do, do, do and go, go, go and we don't think about the processes we need to navigate and keep things calm when things do get crazy. So you are in for a treat. This podcast, again, with David Chrysler, full of actionable tips to keep your career at bay or the businesses that you run. Let's listen.
1: When you're a business owner and you get to a certain level of success, you obviously know how to do the thing, right? whatever your business happens to be. That's how it started. And as you grew that business, you started to bring in people into that to try to support your efforts. And where I think the biggest struggle that I would see for business owners in that growth stage is having what I call infrastructure in place, but really what that means is having tools and support in place for the people that you're bringing into your organization. The ability to engage people, giving them the bounds, giving them the goals, and then harnessing all of the creativity and all of the excitement and energy that new people bring into your organization, harnessing that, engaging those people, learning from them, that all brings something so new and unique into your business.
0: If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb covey founder of Illumination Partners, and I want to thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast. Week after week, I get to speak to amazing leaders and I learn from them as well as bring their insight and inspiration to you. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, so we can continue to bring you great programming. And I do want to thank everybody who has been downloading. We are steadily rising every month, and so I so appreciate getting the word out. But today, my amazing guest and friend is David Chrysler. David is the principal consultant of the Chrysler Club and host of the Everyday Business Problems podcast. And after spending over 20 years working for a publicly traded corporation that grew through acquisition, it provided Dave with the opportunity to grow several different businesses during his career and entering entrepreneurship just like myself, Dave quickly realized there are tremendous needs within small businesses to have access to the tools and support that were commonplace in large corporations. And it was during this time Dave developed his operations framework that he uses to solve everyday problems and free business owners from working in their business so it can grow. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to my audience. Thank you for being on the show,
1: Dave. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Deb. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Again, thank you. And for my listeners, Dave and I know each other for some time. We are part of the Mastermind Group. We met through networking. And, you know, our brands so resonate. The Drop-In CEO brand is, is about, you know, helping leaders get back on track to be doing the work they should have and peace of mind. And it is David's work while working with small and medium-sized businesses, being able to give them back the time that they need so they don't have to be working so hard. So I'm excited for this, but we're going to talk a little bit about David's work, but we are both entrepreneurs. And I think you are going to be amazed by our conversation being a fly on the wall and understanding what it is like to be in small business and our opportunities and challenge. But Dave, I've got to ask you a little bit about yourself personally. Tell, give our listeners a little bit of a perspective of your origins and how did you arrive at the work that you're doing now?
1: Yeah, happy to, Deb. Thanks. So for me, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and growing up in that environment, I obviously saw my parents work extremely hard. They instilled a, a work ethic in me from a very young age. And so growing up in that environment, you know, I say I kind of always aspired to do something a bit different. I aspired to, you know, go work for a really big company and have a lot of responsibility and, you know, travel and do all the things that I thought kind of my parents never got the opportunity to do because they were always working in their business. And so that's what I found myself doing. You know, after high school, through college, I worked for my parents and then I ended up getting an opportunity to go work for a large publicly traded corporation that grew through acquisition. And I had the the fortunate ability to not only relocate several times to run different acquisition facilities, but I also got the opportunity throughout my career to do different mentoring of other acquisition facility leadership. And so I did that for nearly 20 years before I ended up finding an opportunity to purchase a business back in Michigan where my wife and I are both from our our families still reside here our extended families and so I took that opportunity and did that for a short period of time and ultimately we were able to to build that business up and you know get some systems in place and process in place and ultimately sold that. That my part of the business back to the original owner and started my consulting business. And for me, it was really about connecting all of the dots, connecting all of the different opportunities that I saw throughout my corporate career to the work that my parents did to build this business and ultimately to give people like my parents that were successful at building a business the tools and support that we kind of took for granted or that were commonplace in larger corporations. And to bring that down to a more approachable level for these small and medium sized business owners to really get them to be able to go to the next step. And the next step could mean just scaling their business further. The next step could mean to sell their business to either the next generation or to private equity or or what have you. So that's, that's really a little bit about my journey and kind of how I've come full circle to becoming an entrepreneur uh, after starting off being raised by my parents who, who still own multiple businesses today.
0: I appreciate you sharing that background for our listeners. I really want to go straight to your model. You have had this experience and now you've had your aha moments. This is what works in businesses. This is what's not. and This is what's missing. For small businesses. I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about some of those unique differentiators that you find that are missing from small or medium-sized businesses and tell us a little bit about that and how does it help people?
1: Yeah, happy to. So from my perspective and what our operations framework is really all about, it's about four key areas, planning, people, process, and technology. And the ability for a business owner to connect all four of those key areas to ultimately drive improvement and impact into their business. So what I typically find is that when, you, when you're a business owner and you get to a certain level of success, you obviously know how to do the thing, right? whatever your business happens to be. That's how it started. And as you grew that business, you started to bring in people into that to try to support your efforts, whether that be from a sales perspective or an operational perspective, you started to bring in people. And where I think the biggest struggle that I would see for business owners in that growth stage is having the what I call infrastructure in place, but really what that means is having tools and support in place for the people that you're bringing into your organization. Now, depending on where you're at in your journey, that could be something honestly as simple as a job description, a documented job description, making sure that the person you're bringing into your organization understands what success looks like. So that's from their perspective. The other perspective is you as the business owner, learning how to release some of that control and the need to have other people do things exactly as you would do them. Because the ability to engage people and kind of, as I say, you get out of their way as the business owner, giving them the bounds, giving them the goals, and then harnessing all of the creativity and all of the excitement and energy that new people bring into your organization, harnessing that. Engaging those people, learning from them, that all brings something so new and unique into your business that will really help propel your business forward. So that's just a little bit about it, Deb. You know, we can go into kind of how technology then layers in on top of that. But yeah, that's a little bit about it.
0: So that is so validating for what I have seen. I've actually recently worked with a medium-sized manufacturer, very successful. Everybody has the right culture, they're back, they are extremely knowledgeable. But then I needed to go in and help them get a quality certificate, a business systems certification. And when we dug in from a sustainability perspective or growth perspective, they didn't have job descriptions, they didn't have written procedures for the work that they did. They had a great technology that drove the workflow Obviously, because they were successful business. But when we step back at the biggest opportunity, said, you know, if somebody leaves, all that intellectual property goes. We need to get job descriptions, document your processes, leveraging what the technology already does for us for sustainability and growth because nothing worse when that person goes out on disability or the great resignation, which was probably festering below the pandemic anyway. We find then the foundation crumbles. So I love what you said there. But I really like the point what you said about getting out of the way, because I recently brought some marketing people on. They are doing amazing. They get me, they get the drop-in CEO brand. And every time I want to write an email to say, but, 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 I have to reel myself back. So beautiful work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's really one of the biggest challenges, I would say, you know, being a business owner, right? And, And it doesn't necessarily matter. I feel like if we're talking about those small to medium-sized manufacturing facilities. or It's really anybody, right? To your point, it's it's people like us, small business owners, entrepreneurs trying to put something together. It really is a skill set and really does take practice. That's what I tell the people that we work with. It takes practice. So give yourself a little bit of grace when you overstep your bounds, but make sure you address it and tell your team, hey, I'm really sorry. I kind of overstepped my bounds here a little bit. You're doing an amazing job. I really appreciate the stuff that you're doing. And I just wanted you to know that I recognized I stepped over a little bit here and I don't want to continue to do that.
0: So tell me a little bit about the kind of client that is attracted to you because while we, you, I, we help small and medium-sized businesses and there are a lot of businesses that need our services. And there are a lot of people like us that are providing that 20, 30 years of expertise to try to help them. But the ones that do get you and value what you do, what does that profile look like? Because if there's somebody out there, I want them to know who David Chrysler is. So tell me more about that profile and who's attracted to your services.
1: It's really people that identify as the owner operator, somebody that feels an immense amount of pressure, every day because when they wake up in the morning, they're they're not necessarily excited about what that day is going to bring to them because they already know what their day looks like. They already know as soon as they get to the office, there's going to be 50 emails waiting for them. There's probably going to be a couple of voicemails already in queue. They're probably going to have a list of, you know, 100 plus tasks that were carried over from previous days that they haven't gotten to yet. And they mean to, but, you know, this Pops up and that pops up, this fire creeps in. And it's, you know, somebody that has that kind of impending sense of overwhelm because no matter how many hours they work in a day, they can never seem to catch up and get ahead of the train. They never have an opportunity to sit down and write documented job processes because it's all locked in their mind. When they onboard a new person, it's kind of like, here you go, talk to Jim, he's going to do all your training today because I'm tied up and I've got to go and and take care of this problem or that type of a problem. And it's typically going to be people in the manufacturing, construction or skilled trade spaces, and more recently in the cannabis space as well. And you'd be surprised that there is a lot of crossover between those three areas in terms of the challenges that those business owners and leaders face. Typically, they're going to be employing kind of entry level positions all the way through skilled positions. So you've got different considerations for that workforce, and it's usually a larger workforce. And yeah, that's, that, that can give you a little bit more about typically who we work with and, and how we end up finding them.
0: The power of networking. I have interviewed three people in the cannabis industry. It is an amazing industry, it is growing. It is very exciting. It is a close parallel and is a parallel to the flavor of fragrance industry. It's a chemical process and how we extract the gems and the beautiful ingredients that help people in health, wellness, and other applications. So we're going to network a little bit after this. So I'm grateful for all of that, that what you do for business owners, but we are going to take a little bit of a turn here. And just for my listeners here, just so you know, anything that Dave has shared right now about How can we look at the work in front of us? What's important? What's urgent? What can you delegate? What can you just delete? (laughs) Or what can you systematize? Write a short one-page Word document and think about delegating and growing the people on your team. If this is you, if this is a CEO, if you are just stuck in the grind, I ask and beg that you pause and reflect and see what you can systematize. And maybe a person like Dave or I can provide you some guidance. But Dave let's talk about your business. We, you, I know each other and we have been trying to grow our businesses and connect with the people that need our services. Tell me a little bit about you personally in growing your business. What has been your biggest challenge and greatest opportunity or win? I'd love to know more about your experience.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, again, it's kind of what I said a little bit earlier. It's interesting it's interesting for the businesses that I've been responsible for in in the past, you know, I never necessarily had to worry about the phone ringing or cold calling or cold emailing or really, you know, cold networking I'll even throw into there because we were widely known brands. Um we had a very well-established customer base and so from a sales cycle perspective, there was just a lot of maintenance work that typically happened in that. And coming into entrepreneurship, you know, not only do you have to be considering branding, branding your company, personal brand, how are you going to articulate who you help, how you help them bring value into that? Because to your point earlier, there are so many different people that are doing similar things. And so, between the branding portion of it, between the sales, process portion of it, it does take some time to really get into a groove with it. And, and I'll speak personally to, to some of my challenges starting this business. It's really on the sales side of things. I'll be perfectly honest. It took uh, some time to kind of work through how I wanted to present myself, my company, what types of services did we want to offer? How how was that approachable for people so that they understood, you know, well, what could you even do to help me in my business? And and why would I pay you to do that versus just learning it on your own? And you know, when you're in a, a consulting business or any type of an advisory type of a business, you could be a lawyer and have these same types of challenges, right? And what it really comes down to is not that the resources are not available to kind of walk you through a lot of these different scenarios, but I learned this, yeah, but you learned this, you know, twenty five plus years, every day doing this stuff in practice with real people and real businesses and moving the needle. And that's the differentiator, right? Having the real world experience to relate back to what this new business is dealing with. And I don't mean new business in terms of you know startup. I mean new business in terms of, hey, this is a new relationship for us. And we're trying to get them from whatever point that they're at today to whatever point they'd like to be at in the future, scaling their business selling their business but it's the ability our ability i believe as consultants as advisors to relate our real world experience to their situation and help them move the needle much faster and you know in some of my experience that could be 5 10 15 20 times faster than you going and learning this new skill set and or trial by committee Uh, trial and error method, what have you. So yeah, I I went off on a bit of a tangent, but to to kind of cycle back from my perspective, the sales process, and for me, because I'm a systems and process person, fine-tuning what my sales process was took some time, feel very good about it, and it's now yielding results. And so that's what we're continuing to talk about here is no matter... What the challenge is within your business is to identify the challenge, start to put, you know, as I say, plan, execute, review, revise, repeat. If you put a cycle of planning, executing, reviews, revise, repeat into whatever problem you're dealing with, you're going to be able to move the needle in your business and, and typically solve that, that problem.
0: That is so full of insights. I am going to react to the little bit to that, but also being an operations expert as well from a slightly different angle, plan, do, check, act. That's the quality A continuous improvement cycle. I live by it. Sometimes we use different words. It is sound true because so many people just do without any planning and hope for the best. That's a challenge for some business owners. I love the fact that an entrepreneur has the opportunity or <laughs> we're put in this place. We need time to reflect and fine tune our message. But I'm speaking to the listeners out there. If you are working in a business right now, are you just doing or have you taken the time to reflect? Okay. What do I stand for? What makes me unique? I'm trying to get for that promotion. There are people trying for that role. What differentiates me? What makes me different? That is so important for a leader to stop, (laughs) please stop and just do something for yourself because then it will propel you forward faster. But Dave, you have hit something on it that's unique to both of us. I have been told so many times, so many consultants will come in with their process and some of them have written great books like Traction back there (laughs) about their systems. And I recently had my client that I have right now, love, love, love them. And they said that when you came in, Deb, you saw what we needed You laid out a roadmap for us. Then you coached us along the process. You highly customized it because I'd been there. I knew exactly the manufacturing operation and challenges and pitfalls because of this experience. And so to your point, I am getting a lot of validation that consultants, business advisors that have been in the trenches are far more valuable than people that have developed a methodology and have less experience. We're going to get you there faster.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, as I would say, the coaching and consulting industry, there's a very unfortunately, there is a very low barrier to entry into this space. And as a consultant, there is nothing more frustrating to me than to see people that have a very limited window of experience in most cases not much real-world uh shop floor experience uh marketing themselves as you know, well-rounded coaches and consultants. It's it's to be perfectly blunt. It's one of the reasons I very rarely use the word coach with my business, and it's not because I don't believe in that. Very much the opposite. When I take a client on, I want them to understand why am I looking at this problem from this lens? Why am I considering this as the solution? So that you have to be able to coach people through. You have to be able to get them onto that same page. The difference to me is that I can do the work. That's why I classify myself as a consultant. I used to be on the shop floor. I grew up on the shop floor. I transitioned to leadership. I understand how to communicate to not only the people that are on the shop floor, but the people in leadership. How do you bridge that gap? Because you know, I'd love your perspective on this. But you know, when you go into a manufacturing setting, how many times have you heard from the shop floor, leadership doesn't pay attention to what we're saying? And then you go and you talk to leadership, and they say, "These guys don't ever listen to what we're talking about." I mean, it's it's you know those types of interactions and understanding the dynamics of what each one is missing to be able to bridge the gap and move the needle in somebody's business. That's the magic of what I believe a consultant can bring to the table versus somebody that just classifies themselves as a coach and you want to talk about perfect environments and ideal, you know, situations that's not always what happens on the shop floor. Okay? Real world stuff happens out there and so you have to be prepared and the only way to prepare for that is to live through it and to see those different examples firsthand.
0: I'll just share with you a little bit. One of my challenges when faced with a new client and they're telling me my story, I start getting this grin on my face because I'm saying, Yep, been there. I could tell you exactly what needs to happen. I understand why you have this issue and I could tell you what to do like right now. However, (laughs) we have to build empathy. We have to build that trust because if I just jump to the solution, Oh, you need to do this, this, and this, even if they want my help, I don't want them to feel on on guard, like you know because I could be in their face and say, "Oh, this is exactly what you need to do, and I think so many consultants do a disservice. We need to spend time more understanding the person, building their trust, being empathetic, and no, yep, yeah, I could solve that pretty quickly, but let's be on a dance and a journey and a discovery together because I'll promise you you may get one gig but it's the second and the third because you took the time to listen to them and help them to see there is a better way of operating. So I love the work that you do, Dave, but I got to ask you, and I, I want to know what it has done for you. So you talked about building up brand messaging and and for people that are still within a company or a small business owner, the brand, the company is important, but also putting out your personal brand is so critical. You Have put out so much video on LinkedIn and social platforms. It is amazing. I hope you write a book someday or bundle that because it's so good. What has putting that content out there done for you as well as maybe connecting with others?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, from the connection standpoint, it's really opened a, a tremendous amount of doors. You know, I would not have the network that I have without. One, putting myself out there and seeing what happens with it. And then again, we talked about, you know, plan, do, check, act, (laughs) Uh, you know, plan, execute, review, revise, repeat. Doesn't really matter what we're talking about, but through a process of continuous improvement. I've been able to refine my messaging, making sure that I'm delivering value very fast for people because we all know that we consume things quickly. So instead of I'll give you the real world example, when I first started producing LinkedIn videos, I would maximize my 10 minute appearance on there. And, you know, it's not that long of a time. But what I found is over time, I needed to get that down to less than three minutes. And now if you look at any of my content, the majority of it is less than three minutes. Some of it is a minute or less because I recognized that I needed to get that message out faster. And so that's a little bit of it. A couple other things I would really add when we talk about branding and content marketing, things that I've picked up in the last few years of doing this, And that really centers around, I really want to speak to the business owner that has a larger company. And what I want to say to that business owner is, don't be afraid to let your sales team, your leadership, people on the shop floor, don't be afraid to allow them to shoot video content internally, to spend some of the time that you pay them to produce written content, and to build their personal brand. Because I'll tell you, the real power of branding, it is the relationship. It is the opening to a relationship that happens when you build your personal brand. I mean, look at the numbers. My personal brand attracts more people than my company brand. And I'm a very new brand, a new business, you know, relatively new business, only a couple of years old now. And so I want to encourage people because people buy from people, right? Especially B2B, people buy from people. So if you encourage your sales team to start making content and making one on one connections with people, what do you think that's going to do for your business? Because again, if your salesperson or your sales team or somebody out on the shop floor shoots a cool video about this new part that you just created or new, component that you're bringing in and inspecting. I mean, there's so many different opportunities to build those relationships. So I really want to encourage especially the manufacturers out there, don't be afraid of this stuff. It's it's not it's not going anywhere. It's only going to continue and the earlier you can get on board with this and encourage people throughout your organization, uh, yourself included by the way, but encourage people to do this stuff, the faster your business is going to grow. I've seen it time and time again. It's tremendous, tremendous stuff.
0: And that is the gem of this conversation. I knew we would get to something that was absolutely amazing. I actually had a senior leader, a CEO of a company on my podcast, and it was because of all their social media that they put out there. It was not just, here's the CEO and the marketing team told them what to say with their name on it. Oh my, you could see their team members doing something in the community. They had pictures of inside their facility, the senior leader shaking hands with the people for a job well done. They showed the inner workings of the people and the business. And I said, oh, I want to get to know them. And then we arrived at a place to have an amazing conversation. David, that was amazing, amazing insight. And we could go on and on because you and I are made of the same stuff, but our listeners uh, have to get on their way. And I do want to bring this to a close. If Any last thoughts for how people could engage with you or your content before we close out?
1: Yeah, thanks, Deb. You can find us on our website at thechrysler.club. And we offer a free assessment that you can take. It will give you a detailed, personalized action plan for some things you can look at immediately to start moving the needle in your business.
0: All right. You've been amazing. I know I've actually even taken that assessment very insightful for myself. I wish you continued success and thank you for being an outstanding guest. Take care. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow.